are declaring the truth. We are declaring the truth. We are declaring the truth. The letter of Philemon. Listen, the epistles or letters in the New Testament were a new form of revelation. Before them, God had used law, history, poetry, prophecy, and the gospel records. When God used the epistles or letters, he adopted a more personal or direct method. And there are different kinds of epistles. Some were directed to churches and some were directed to individuals. The epistle of Philemon were addressed to individuals. The primary purpose of this epistle is to reveal Christ's love for us in what he did for us in pleading our case before God. This is one of the finest illustrations of substitution. The practical purpose is to teach brotherly love. Paul spoke of the new relationship between master, masters and servants in the other prison epistles. Here he demonstrates how it should work. These men belonging to two different classes in the Roman Empire, hating each other and hurting each other, are now brothers in Christ, and they ought to act like it. Philemon is one of the most remarkable epistles in the scripture. And upon this note, let us begin our studies in this great epistle. Verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved, and fellow laborer. Now, the beginning of the of this letter is unusual. Paul usually identifies himself as Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. But on this occasion, he is writing as a friend to a friend, and the official title is dropped. He is not writing as Paul the apostle, but as Paul the prisoner of, of Christ. Here at the very beginning, Paul lays aside all appeal to authority and makes his appeal to sympathy and to love alone. Timothy was a man of God who was close to the heart of Paul. I personally believe that he was Paul's successor in the ministry, and so Paul includes him in the introduction of his letter. He tells Philemon that Timothy was their brother in Christ. Listen, to be a part of the family of God is something awesome. Every male who is born again is a brother in Christ. Every born again female is a sister in Christ. By one spirit are we all baptized into one body. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And the thing I love about the family of God is that it is made of many nationalities. It consists of whites, blacks, Hispanics, Indians, Italians, Jews, and so on. God is not prejudiced. He loves all colors and all nationalities. To be called a brother or sister in Christ is a great honor. It states that you belong to the family of God. Then he says to Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, he approaches Philemon in love. All right, look at verse 2. And to our beloved Aphelia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. He says here, or he addresses Aphelia, who is believed to have been the wife of Philemon. And then he addresses Archippus, who is believed to be their son. He calls Archippus our fellow soldier. 
Listen, we are soldiers in the army of the living God. In Ephesians 6, Paul taught us that the church are soldiers fighting a real spiritual war. Then he addresses the church that was in Philemon's house. Not only had they been converted, but they had a church in their house. This is interesting to note. It is estimated that for the first 200 years, the early church met in homes. All right, look at verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This was Paul's usual greeting to every person and, and, and to every church to which he wrote. All right, verse 4. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers. Isn't this beautiful? Paul always prayed for Philemon. Listen, we should always pray for one another. There are no big eyes and little U's in Christ. We are all special in God and we all need each other's prayers. The more we pray for each other, the more we advance the kingdom of God. All right. Verse five. Hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints. Now, Paul says here that Philemon's life was a testimony. Paul describes it in a wonderful way. Paul says this. Listen, Philemon showed love toward the Lord Jesus and toward all believers. His faith was toward the Lord Jesus, and he was faithful to other believers. What an awesome testimony. Right, look at verse 6. That the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good work which is in you in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying here, it is my prayer that your way of generously sharing all that you have will lead you more and more deeply into the knowledge of, of the good things which lead to Christ. All right, look at verse 7. For we have great joy and consolation in thy love because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Isn't that beautiful? The love and generosity Philemon had for God's people brought much joy and consolation to Paul. Philemon was clearly a man from whom it was easy to ask a favor. He was a man whose faith in Christ and love to the brethren all men knew. And the story of them had reached even Rome where Paul was in prison. His house must have been like an oasis in a desert. For as Paul puts it, he had refreshed the hearts of God's people. What a way to go down in history as a man in whose house God's people were rested and refreshed. Look at verse number eight. Wherefore, though I might be much bold in Christ to enjoy thee that which is convenient, yet for love's sake I rather beseech thee, being such as one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now, the Apostle Paul, being as great as he was, because of his position in the church, could have demanded Philemon to fulfill his wish. But instead, he made a humble request. He makes a gracious plea for Onesimus. He is coming to the purpose of his letter. He approaches his subject in a cautious and loving way. He is making his request to Philemon concerning Onesimus on a threefold basis. Number one, for love's sake. This is the love of Paul and Philemon for each other as believers in Christ Jesus. Number two, being such and one as Paul the age. In other words, Paul was an old man at this time. He had suffered and had been persecuted as a missionary for Christ. Now he is an old man. Number three, then he says a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He could not come to Philemon in person because he was in prison at this time. All right, verse number 10. I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. 
now, Paul is pleading on behalf of his son in the gospel. Paul had a, a number of sons in the gospel. He called Timothy and Titus his sons, and now Onesimus. These are his spiritual sons. He had led Onesimus to the Lord even while he was in prison. Listen, I want you to know that nothing could stop this man of God from preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he understood that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Onesimus had gotten saved through the preaching of Paul while, while Paul was in prison. Nothing can stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm getting excited here. Look at verse number 11. Which in time past was, was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Now, the name Onesimus means profitable. As a slave before salvation, Onesimus wasn't, he wasn't very useful. He didn't want to work and he had ran away. But now Paul is sending him back to Philemon as a believer and says, he is now profitable to you and me. He is now living up to his name. Now, it is significant to note that Paul claims that in Christ, the useless person has been made useful. The last thing Christianity is designed to produce is vague, inefficient people. It produces people who are, of, who are of use and can do a job better than they ever could if they did not know Christ. Have you ever heard the saying of he was so heavenly minded that he was of no earthly use? Well, true Christianity makes a man heavenly minded and also very useful upon earth at the same time. All right. Verse number 12. Whom I have sent again, thou therefore receive him, that is, mine own bowels, whom I would have retained with me, that in thy stead he might have ministered unto me in the bonds of the gospel. But without thy mind would I do nothing, that thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. For perhaps he therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever, not not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, especially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. If thou count me therefore a partner, receive him as myself. My God, I like that. Paul would like to keep Onesimus, but he sends him back to Philemon, for he would do nothing without his consent. Here again is a, a, a significant thing. Christianity is not out to help a man escape his past and to run away from it. It is out to enable him to face his past and to rise above it. Onesimus had, 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 had ran away and he must go back to face the consequences of what he did, accept them and rise above them. Christianity is never an escape. It is always a conquest. But Onesimus comes back with a difference. He went away as a heathen slave. He comes back as a brother in Christ. But he is going back to a master who would probably have a hard time accepting Onesimus back as a brother. So Paul writes to Philemon and says, I am your partner in the work of Christ. Onesimus is my son in the faith, and I am asking for you to receive him as you would receive me. Here again is something very significant. The Christian must always welcome back the man or woman who has made a mistake. Too often we regard people who have made a mistake with, with suspicion and we show them that we will never be able to trust them again. We believe that God can forgive them, but we have a hard time doing so ourselves. Someone has says that the most uplifting thing about Jesus Christ is that he trusts 
us on the very field of our defeat. That's well said. Listen, we must love and forgive others like Jesus Christ loves and forgive us. All right, look at verse 18. If he had wronged thee or owed thee aught, put that on mine account. My God, my God. It is believed that Onesimus had stolen money from Philemon before he ran away. Because it was a, it was a long road to Rome and it would have been a very difficult task for him to get to Rome without money. So Paul says here, if Onesimus have stolen from you, put it on mine account. Charge it to my account. Paul says that he would pay his debts in full. All of this is a glorious picture of how the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ accepts us. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins on the cross, and we are now accepted in the Beloved. Now, what does it mean to be accepted in the Beloved? It means God the Father receives us as he receives his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus nailed our past, present, and future sins on the cross. He is constantly interceding to the Father for us. And every time we make a mistake, Jesus pleads with the Father. He tells him, listen, my shed blood paid for that sin. Continue to receive them as you receive me. Oh, my God, my God, my God. Look at verse number 19. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it. Abbot, I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. Paul was letting Philemon know without a doubt that this letter was indeed from him and the promise to repay Onesimus' debts in full was a promise spoken from his mouth. He wants to leave no doubt in Philemon's mind that this letter was indeed written by Paul himself. Then he reminds Philemon that he was the one who brought him to Christ. And how could Philemon ever repay Paul for that? All right, look at verse 20. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. Isn't that something? Paul expresses his confidence in Philemon and actually believes that Philemon would do beyond his request. Now, this was typical of Paul's dealings with people. It was his rule always to expect the best from others. And I believe that stemmed from his personal life. He was an achiever and believed in being the best that he could be. We see this clearly in Philippians chapter 3, verses uh, 4 through 6, which reads, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any man thinking that he had whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law uh, of Pharisee, concerning zeal persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Listen, the things that Paul accomplished before he got saved, no unsaved man was able to measure up to him. From the religious standpoint of view, uh, he was untouchable. He listed seven things in which he thought was great before he got saved. Seven things. Number one, circumcise the eighth day. Now, this was a basic right of the Mosaic system. Number two, of the stock of Israel, which means he was a full-breed Jew. Some of the Judaizers were half-breeds, but Paul was not. Number three, of the tribe of Benjamin. This is like saying that he belonged to the best family. Benjamin was one of Rachel's sons of whom Jacob loved dearly. Jacob named him Benjamin, which means the son of my right hand. Benjamin became his right hand. 
the one of whom he leaned. Also, the first king of Israel came from the tribe of Benjamin. His name was Saul, and it is believed that Saul of Tarsus was named after him. So Paul could say with pride that he came from the tribe of Benjamin. Number four, and Hebrew of the Hebrews. This means that he was a leader. He was in the highest stratum of the religious circle. He was up at the top. Number five, as touching the law of Pharisee, the Pharisees represented the very best in Israel. They were a religious political party and their aim was to establish the kingdom. They had arisen sometime after or during the captivity. They believed in the integrity of the scriptures. They believed in angels. They believed in the resurrection and in miracles. They were also extremely nationalistic in their politics. Number six, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Paul thought he was doing God's will when he persecuted the church. The other Pharisees were willing to relax when they had run the Christians out of Jerusalem, but Paul went beyond that. He always believed in going the extra mile, doing more than of what was expected of him. He was determined to captive all Christians, as many as possible. That was his purpose on his way to Damascus at the time of his conversion. And number seven, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Paul was sincere regarding the law. He believed in the law. He lived by the law. He was an upstanding man in the community. He was taught the law by Gamaliel, who was looked upon as the greatest teacher of the law. So we see here that Paul was an achiever and was full of zeal. And after he got saved, he was equally or, or more zealous for God. So therefore, he expected every child of God to be achievers for God. He expected the best from God's people. He never doubted that Philemon would grant his request. It is a good rule to expect the best from others. Listen, is often to be more than halfway to getting it. <laughs> to expect the best from others is often to be more than halfway to getting it. If we make it clear that we expect little, we would get just that. We would get little. Every believer should do more than what is expected. Jesus says, if they compel you to go one mile, go two. Listen, the Lord is a generous Lord. And we ought to be generous people in every facet of our lives. We should be generous in our love toward others, generous in our in being peacemakers, generous in showing mercy, generous in forgiving one another, and generous in our financial givings. Verse 22, but whether prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I should be given unto you. Now, Paul tells Philemon here that he believed that through the prayers of Philemon and of the church that was in his house, he would be released from prison. And because of his belief, he tells Philemon here to save him a spot in his house because he was coming to see him and the church that was in his house. Oh, that's all right. Look at verse 23. There I salute thee, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aurelius. Demas, Lucas, my fellow laborers, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. This beautiful little letter concludes with personal greetings to mutual friends, brothers and sisters in Christ. And the final note is the blessing. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. This concludes our studies on Philemon.